And now, before Andy continues our series, A Counterintuitive Life, let's see some River Ridgers who have taken their next steps in following Jesus through baptism over the past four months. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every... Any sin, so we do have a problem, but here's the thing, God gave us a solution. He sent us His Son his one and only son, to come and die for you. And when Jesus died on the cross, you see, there was an exchange, if you believe it, that he exchanged your death with his death, that, that you were supposed to die, but he died for you because he lived a perfect life. He didn't deserve death. It was your death that he died. He paid that price. And then when he came back to life three days later, see, it means he beat death. He beat death, okay? And if you place your faith in that and you give your whole life to Jesus Christ and what he did, then you can have eternal life. You can have forgiveness for your sin. It's a turning point. It's a decision point in your life. And, and, and you will know. It's just you know you're secured and saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. What Peter says to do next is he says, after you believe, after you place your faith and belief in Jesus Christ, the first thing you should do is be baptized. It serves as a first step of obedience. I will baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the newness of life. <laughs> Well, hey, everybody. It is so good to celebrate baptisms. However, it was done over the last several months. It's just an awesome thing. Hopefully, wherever you're watching right now in this moment, you are celebrating your heart. You're celebrating with claps. Those families who did it, hopefully, you were just giving some nudges and some, uh, some nice taps to those who got uh, baptized. And I do want to just say one thing. For all of you uh, who, who did go through uh, the waters of baptism over the last several months, I, I just want to say on behalf of me and the church and staff, thank you. Thank you. It's been such an encouragement, such a blessing to be a part of that journey with all of you who did that and I, there is something about it that I love this idea, this mentality of just wherever I got to go, like however we do it, if it's a creek, a hot tub, a pool uh, or whatever we're going to do it, I can't wait any longer to do this, that kind of mentality is just such an encouragement to see, I love that during this crazy time so, but it puts first things first, amen everybody, that's just just an awesome thing uh, and so I do want to say for all of you out there who, who have not taken this step of baptism, I want to encourage you to take that step, man, don't wait, don't wait any longer if you haven't done that. If you haven't, I'm telling you, man, Jesus, I, Jesus is attaching something powerful to it. That's why he did it. That's why he tells us to do it. I think he wants you to experience something for yourself if you have made your decision to follow him to get baptized. So for a few things, just for a few of you. So if, if you are there and you want to do that, just take the next step. Go to the website. Go to riverridge.org. Go to next steps and click on baptism and just start, start working with us. We want to help you get that done. Take that step uh, to do that for those of you who are adults. And, and if you're a parent, parent uh, and you think that your child is ready, we want to help you as well. So we actually have something that we want you to sign up for coming over in the next several weeks. It's on November 8th. We're going to have an online uh, experience for you and your child called We Believe. You need to sign up for that. So if you go to riverridge.org slash we believe, uh, you can sign up for that. It's going to help you walk through the gospel with your child to make sure that uh, all your questions are answered, all their questions are answered, and then uh, answer the questions about baptism uh, for you. And so that, again, that's going to be on November 8th and go to riverridge.org slash 
we believe. Don't wait, okay? Get it done. It's such an awesome thing to be a part of. Jesus calls us to do it, so I hope you do. All right, let's get to it. If, if you're out there and you have your Bibles, you don't have any excuses now, you're at home, so grab your Bibles wherever they are, crack them open there, get it to a First Peter chapter 4. We are in part 6 of a seven-part series uh, that we are calling A Counterintuitive Life. And here's what we're looking at. We, we're looking uh, at living a life of faith in a world that does not do that so much, okay? And so this is really a series, what we've been saying is a series for Christians. Uh, and, and what we're looking at is we're actually just looking at the difference between just saying I believe in Jesus and actually living a life of faith out that shows and proves the fact that we do actually believe. And so we've been studying this through just one book of the Bible. Love it when we go through a book of the Bible. So we've been using 1 Peter as our guide. And so we've been going just chapter by chapter, you know, uh, idea by idea. We've been doing it in our groups and, and outside of this as well. And so uh, today we're going to be in chapter four. We only got two weeks of this left. So today we're in chapter four. Uh, next week we're going to conclude the series uh, with chapter five. And so I hope it's been a blessing to you to, to kind of study this book with us. I know for me it's been amazing. Once a week I, I read through the whole thing and then I kind of break it down as I go through my studies personally. It's just been such a blessing to me. But here's where we're going to go today, everybody. Here's where we're going uh, in chapter four. And here it is. We're going to talk about suffering, sin, and the end of the world. Okay. How is that for some content today, okay? Now, and it seems like suffering, sin, and the end of the world, like that is such a melting pot of ideas, but here's what we're gonna find. Peter's actually gonna take this, take those three things, and he's gonna navigate with us in a way where they all are connected. They're all connected in the living a life uh, of faith with Jesus, and so he's gonna also then give us some clear steps that we take as a role. So he's gonna connect it for us and then give us some clear steps. All right, so let's go. Uh, and Peter's actually gonna give us, in, in 1 Peter 4, starting out in verse one, he's gonna give us a picture of two different people uh, in two different directions that you can go. And so here's what he says. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Okay, so first of all, he starts with therefore, and again, what we always want to do is, what's he pointing to? And what he's actually pointing to for us is to look back in chapter 3. It's actually chapter 3, verse 18, that it says that Christ suffered for sins once and for all, that, that he died for us and our sins so that we could be made one, that we could be with God, that we could be brought to God. And then he goes on at the end of that chapter, in chapter 3, to say, and now Jesus, he's, he's alive and well, he's at the right hand of the Father, and it says that all things, every single thing, is in submission to him. And this is, I think I actually kind of important to understand. I think sometimes we look through this life and we wonder if God really is in control, but the Bible is very clear. The Bible is clear every time that he is absolutely in control, that constantly points to that, consistently points that he's in control. And then Peter uh, starts to talk about suffering for us. He starts about suffering and the fact that it is just a part of life. That's what he's saying. It's a part of life. And, and we know this is true, right? We know this is true. Like when suffering comes to us, like we shouldn't be shocked by it. That's why we shouldn't be shocked. We should not be rattled by that. The Bible is very, very clear about suffering that happens. The Bible talks a lot about suffering. Uh, God tells us that suffering comes in many, many forms. Blair talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, and then also, here's the other thing about suffering. I, I, I figure you found this out. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. Like it, it doesn't matter who you are, or where you're from, what color your skin is, or what you believe. It doesn't matter. Suffering happens all the time to everybody. Uh, it happens to the believer as well as a person who rejects God uh, in his ways. And Peter reminds us, though, for those of us who are exiles, for those of us who are believers in Christ, that even Jesus suffered, that even Jesus suffered. And so if he can't avoid it, then we shouldn't really believe that we can avoid it either. And here, here's the reality right now. 
Here's what I, I think right now, uh, what exists is there is an, a, an amount of suffering that's existing in our church. There, there are a lot of you, there are many of you who are going through suffering. The suffering is in your reality and it looks like things are out of control. It feels like the good guys are losing and the bad guys are winning. And, and, and here's what Peter says to you and says to me and everybody. He says, that's not unique. That's not unique to have that feeling to be going through that with suffering. Suffering does that to all of us. And so what he does though is he says, man, so then I wanna point you to Jesus. I wanna point you to Jesus because he says, you need to remember that Jesus suffered and it looked like the bad guys were winning then, but everybody, listen, in the end, God does win. God even wins through suffering. And so here's where he's gonna go. So he says, so when it comes to your suffering, that we need to remember Jesus, but he also says, you have really, you have really have two choices. As a believer in Christ, you have two choices, two paths to follow. And here it is. One is the, the path of obedience to God, and the other one is the path of sin. That's what he says. But, but I want you to catch what Peter said. I don't know if you missed that. Let's pop it back up if you can. He actually says uh, that, that we actually leave sin, that you are done with sin. So those of us who are in Christ, he doesn't just say, hey, try not to sin or anything like that. He goes, no, no. The fact that you are in Christ, you are done with sin being the answer when suffering comes to your life. And he's gonna explain it. So let's keep reading. So here's what he says in the next verse. He says, listen, so as a result, because he leaves saying, he says, as a result, they, that's those of us in Christ, do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. And he's gonna give us a list, uh, a really actually a list. Of, so he's saying living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, Orgy, orgies, uh, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Okay, so, so that's what he's saying that, that the world's doing. He said, but that's not what we do. And so, so here's the big idea in this part with suffering and sin. And here, here's what it is. There is a pulse. There is a vital sign in someone who doesn't just say they believe in God, but they actually live their faith out and the role that sin plays in their life, that there is a relationship with that and sin. Now, now this is really important to catch uh, because what is essential uh, with the role that sin plays in our life is actually understand what we mean when we say the word sin, right? We have to kind of understand what we're saying because the word sin... I don't know, it's out of touch, right? We don't really, it's not like we use it all over the place. Actually, even, even in Christianity, we probably don't use it as much as we should. Uh, we just don't use it in our culture much, right? Like, I mean, like, it's not like your boss says, hey, uh, do you know uh, how much you send at your lunch? Like, you send this many minutes in your lunch time, right? Nobody says that. Your boss doesn't say that. Or like, when you get pulled over for speeding, they don't say, hey, do you know how fast you were going? Uh, you were sending seven miles over the speed limit. Like, we just, we don't use that, uh, you know, in our, in our culture. So this is a critical thing to see uh, if we look at the role that sin plays in the life of a Christian, so let's define it really quick. Uh, here's what a sin is for those of us in Christ. Just understand what we're working with. Here it is. It's knowingly do wrong or it's a transgression of theological principles. That's like kind of the working definition. If you're taking notes, you can write that down or put it in your phone. Uh, so it's, it, here's what it's saying. For those of us in Christ, like we know when we do, it's not like uh, all of a sudden you say, oh, dang it, like I, 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 sinned, I accidentally sinned again. Like that, that darn thing just crept up on me one more time. You know, I didn't even see it come. That's not what happens. It's not what happens for those of us who are in Christ. See, when a Christian sins, uh, if you do that, you, here's what happens happens to you, this is why it's so important. Like you are doing something that you know is kind of out of whack with what you believe. 
It's out of whack with who God says you are. And when you do it, it puts you in a really weird position with what you know the, the results of sin are in your lives. That's what it, this is why it's so important for us to understand it. So Peter says, hey, you don't go down that path. That you, you leave it. That you've left that when you decided to follow Jesus. Don't do it. It's not who you are. Uh, and it's not going to re- lead to relief in suffering. In fact, it's just going to cause more suffering. But here's why. You want to know why a lot of Christians still choose the path of sin? Here's why a lot of Christians still choose the path of sin. Here's the biggest reason. See, most sin is done because you actually want to avoid pain and suffering in your life. Did you know that? That's why a lot of sin is done in Christianity. That, that when Peter says, hey, here's what he's saying. When Peter says, hey, whoever suffers in the body is done with sin, the truth is that most of the, most of the sin that is done is to avoid suffering or distract us from the pain. And that's the problem with sin, everybody. See, like sin disguises itself as the relief. Sin, dis- sin deceives us to believe that it's the answer that, that, and, and that when you do it it's going to relieve you it's actually and it's even going to be fun it's going to be actually fun right I mean you don't, you don't go into any sin thinking not thinking that right actually if you go into any sin nothing is going to be fun or nothing is going to relieve you don't do it right okay you did not do sin right okay and I'm being kind of funny but it's true okay nobody goes into sin not thinking that it's, it's people sin because it's attractive because it seems fun because it seems like a relief and it seems like the answer but everybody listen to it it's not. It's not. And most of the time, Christians do it is to relieve a fear or an anxiety or a reality of suffering and pain in our lives, okay? But I'm going to tell you, there is something I'm about to show you. This I think freedom is going to come for somebody out there today because here it is. This is when it comes to suffering and, and, and sin and how it plays a role. Here it is. This, this is a big idea for us because here's, here's the truth. Once I lose the fear of suffering, then sin's going to lose some power over me. That once we actually lose the fear of suffering, sin will lose some power, actually a lot of its power over us. I believe this simple truth right here is so, it's gonna be eye-opening for so many of you out there that you never thought about it this way. I think actually, I think half the battle for us to live victoriously in this life is actually see what's going on and not be blinded to the truth. I think a lot of us are blinded to this truth and seeing what's really going on. And I believe the other, the other half of this is actually just bring out the truth of who you are and the victory that you actually have. And for some of you right here, you've actually never realized why you're going back to the same junk, the same cycle of sin, even though you know it's not what you should be doing or what helps. That's why. And here's what I'm going to tell you, everybody, this morning. God is offering you freedom from that. God is offering you a way out of that. And it comes from this. It comes from letting go of trying to control your suffering. It comes from just letting go of you trying to control the suffering that happens. And I'm telling you, some of you right now need to let go of that. You need to let go of what you're trying to do to get rid of that pain, what you're trying to do to get rid of that heartache, what you're trying to do to numb that feeling. And here's the weird thing you do. This is, this is what God's invitation is to you today, that we actually embrace our suffering instead of trying to control it. And I know that sounds weird, doesn't it? It sounds counterintuitive and the suffering that happens in our lives. But this is what Peter is actually telling us. This is what we do when we leave it, when we leave those other things. And here's what he's saying, that, that when we embrace suffering, what we're actually doing is we are giving God control. We're giving up control of our lives. We're giving God control. And Peter says, when you do that, this is so huge, I'm telling you, for so many of you, freedom comes with just by doing this. When you do that, here's what he says, and he just said that we arm ourselves. I love that, that that's an active, that we arm ourselves with the power of Jesus 
and the freedom that he can give us. That, that his victory in suffering actually arms us in times of our own suffering. And Peter says, when you do that, freedom will come. But here's what else happens. When you do that, you decide not to join in the desires of the world. We saw that list of all the things that the world does. The world will not understand. Here's what he says. He actually says, they are actually going to be surprised that you did not join them in their reckless, wild living. And then they're going to heap abuse on you. But they, they, they're going to have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And so here's what he's saying. So, so when, you, when you don't choose the path of, of disobedience, when you actually choose the path of obedience and following the will of God instead of the folly of the world, that's what he's saying, which here it is. Here's the folly of the world. If it feels good, do it. Right? If it feels good, do it. Uh, make the most of what you have. And, and if it's not getting you there, then just make it bigger, make it better, make it faster, make it nicer, get it prettier than what you had before and all that stuff. Because where else is there? Uh, what else is there than making yourself happy in this world? That's what, there's no other reason for them to have any other hope. Okay? And when you don't live that way, here's what Peter is saying. When you don't live that way, here's the thing, gang. This is really crazy. It will both, it's, this is simultaneous in the world and how they see us. It. it will both be attractive to them that you didn't do it but it'll also be disturbing to them at the same time that it'll be attractive to them but they'll be repulsed by it because they're gonna it's gonna cause them to question their whole basis of life and what they're going after and i don't know if you knew this or not nobody likes questioning the basis of their life everybody nobody likes doing that and so what he's saying so they're gonna make fun that's their that's their like sort of defense mechanism they're gonna make fun they're gonna actually make jokes or even worse what he says they will hurl abuses on you. Why? Why? Because they're be, they are being exposed to their way of living and they don't like it. That's what he's saying. And it looks like a lot of different ways. Here's what it looks like. It looks like, you know, things like have, not having sex before marriage. That they would look at that and they would just crush that, right? Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you do that? Like, it's, it's natural to do that. Hey, it's fun. Hey, that's the whole point of being together, right? Don't you want to know if you're compatible before you get married? I mean, what kind of dingbat waits before marriage? Well, the kind of person who believes that there is a God in heaven and he made everything for us, even sex, and that there are rules and there are actually reasons why we wait. And so we do that uh, because we know we will answer to that one day. But listen to me, if, they, if they, they don't have that answer, why would they wait? And they'll just, so they'll just rail against it. They'll just kind of, they'll rail against you for that. Or, or it looks like this, right? You're telling me, this is what they would say, you're telling me that you actually give 10% of your money back to the, like you give 10% of your money away to the church? That's crazy. Like you must have a lot of money laying around. No, no, I don't. Well, you might have some. I know I don't. Like I don't have all that. I don't have 10% of my money laying around just waiting to be used like that. I don't know about you, but for me, I don't. But it's just this, it's that, that, that we choose to sacrifice. Hey, listen, that's a form of suffering that I just embrace. I'm like, that is, a, it, it's not easy, but it's one of those things where I'm like, because we believe in a holy God. And, and, and so what we believe is everything is his. It's not mine anyways. Even that 90% that, that God says, that's his as well. And so I sacrifice certain things that I could have otherwise if I kept that money. And, and instead I believe that it's all his. And so we choose to give back. Why would we give our money away like that? Well, people who believe that, that there is existence beyond this world, that's who does it. And that they, that they say, I'm not going to store up things here, I'm going to store them up here in heaven. That's who does that, okay? Peter says, listen, they can't understand. Like, they can't understand why you wouldn't do the things that he lists. Why? Because they don't understand, because they don't have a hope. They don't have a hope beyond this world. And because they don't have a hope beyond this world, they're going to look for world solutions, and that's the world solutions, 
Feels good, do it. Like if, if it's not there, get better, bigger, prettier, and all that stuff. Uh, because and, and because of the hope we have, because of the hope we have, we let that guide us instead of the sin that says, "Hey, there's nothing else. You might as well live it up. You're gonna die, and there's nothing." Right? That's what we do. And so then uh, Peter is gonna kind of double down on that in the next verse for us to remember why we're doing this. And here's how he uh, doubles down: is he says, "The end of the world is coming." soon. Okay. Let, let's talk about this because it seems like he took an aggressive corner right there, right? He's like, hey, listen, there's, there's suffering we got to talk about and, and, you know, don't sin. The end of the world is coming, right? It just seems like, so let's talk about this. Take a breath and let's talk about this a little bit. So what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about the end of the world? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. The Bible says a lot. I'll start that by saying that. It says a whole lot uh, about the end of the world, the last days, what's going to happen when Jesus returns and he wipes out every wrong and he destroys Satan and he will reign forever. Uh, in fact, as I looked, so there are over 300 references just in the New Testament about the return of Christ. 300 references. Uh, of the 27 books in the New Testament, 23 of them talk about something about the last days and the return of Christ. Uh, and there is one entire book, the book of Revelation, uh, that lays out how all this stuff's gonna unfold. And all. So I'm gonna tell you, it talks a lot about it. It talks a lot about the last days. And I think a lot of people... I think a lot of people are wondering, especially nowadays, I think people are asking this question. They're looking around, they're seeing all this stuff that's going on and what's been going on lately, and they're asking, like, are we really living in the last days? Are we living in the last days, Andy? And here's my answer to you. I don't know. I don't know. And anyone who says that they know when the last days are, when Jesus come back, I wouldn't listen to them. I wouldn't follow them. I'm just saying, like, no, even Jesus said, even the Son of Man does not know when he's going to come up. But here's the thing for us. This is what Peter wants us to understand. We may not know when the last days are, but I'm telling you, you are living in your last days. I can tell you that right now. You're living in your last days because you're here in this earth right now. So, so I'm going to give you a thought. And if you haven't taken a note yet today, I want you to take this one note because I think it's really important. And for some of you, it's a new thought. I think it's gonna blow your mind, okay? Get ready to write this down. Put it in your phone. I'm telling you, this is a refrigerator magnet waiting to get mass produced. Here it is. I'm gonna die. Put that on your fridge, okay? I'm gonna die, okay? And, and here's the thing. I mean that in the most positive, life-giving way. I'm saying, so I'm gonna die, smiley face emoji, all right? Like, so here's what I want. So, so here's the question that I actually wanna tell you. Are you ready for that? Are you living in a way where you know the end is coming, that there is an end day, that, that there is gonna be a time. That's what Peter is actually saying here. So, so here's how he's connecting everything. He's like, man, remember Jesus and his suffering and how he suffered for your sins. And so don't go down the path of that sin. You leave sin. And then here's what he's saying. And you stay faithful and obedient to God by living this way, that you live with the end in mind. That's what he's saying, that the end is coming and that we live with the end in mind. Because here's the thing, everybody, you're gonna die. You're, the death rate is still 100% for humanity. You are gonna die, and one day you are going to be before God, and you're gonna make an account for your life. And I'm telling you right now, a lot of the things that you think that matter are not gonna matter the day you're face-to-face -face with God, okay? And that's what he's telling you, okay? That it is, and, and here's the thing. It is only through looking at the lens of the eternity where you actually set the right priorities in your life. You will never set the right priorities in your life if you don't look at this through the lens of eternity 
at all. Steve Jobs, uh, the founder of Apple, Steve Jobs said this. He, here's what he said. I found this interesting. He said, when I die, nothing I've accomplished on earth matters to me anymore. The only thing that matters is God, eternity, and if it's true. I think a lot of Christians, I actually found this interesting as I thought. I think one of the strangest realities in Christianity, I think this is a very strange reality, uh, is that for most people, it's not that you don't believe in God, but it's that you really don't think about standing before God sooner than you think. I don't know why. It's a really strange reality. But we, we, we don't, it's not that we don't say we believe in God or follow him. We really don't think a lot about facing him one day. And, and it's weird because there are so many mysterious things in the Bible. This is not mysterious at all. The Bible is very clear and talks about it all over the place, very straightforward in how this is covered. And it's the reality of you are going to die and you are going to face judgment on how you live in this life on this earth. Like those are two real things. And so, so here's what Peter's trying to say. He's saying, okay, everybody, okay, everybody. So uh, let's just live like we believe that. That's what he's saying. He's almost encouraging us. He's not trying to scare us about the end of the world. He's saying, let's just live like we know the end is coming, and it's coming sooner than we think, okay? Uh, And so he's encouraging us to live with the end in mind. So, and he's going to give us, I love this, the next couple verses, he's going to give us clear steps on how we live this life in the end in mind, and here's what I love about these three steps. You can do it. We all can do it. It's not going to be very, very hard to do it, but we just got to be focused on what we do. So let's read this. Here's the next thing he says. He goes, the end of the world is coming, And he goes, okay, so therefore, that's what he's saying, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. So the the first way, again, if you're taking notes or if you're writing this down somewhere, the first way that we live with the end in mind, he's saying, is that you gotta have a focused prayer life. That you gotta have a focused prayer life. And here's why Peter is saying this one first and why he's not just saying, hey, just pray, like, you know, you know, just kind of pray here, pray there. But he's saying, man, get focused. He's saying, you got to get focused. You got to be earnest, be disciplined in your prayers. He's saying, you got to pray like your life depends on it. And here's why he's saying it. Because, gang, I don't know if we realize this as much as we should, but right now, where you are, wherever you are, watch this, you are in the middle of a spiritual battle. You're in the middle right now of a spiritual battle for your life, for your marriage, and for your family. And it is going on right now, and it is active, and is way more active than you think, and it's constant. The battle, everybody listen, the battle is real. There is a spiritual battle that we are up against things that we cannot see, and it's happening right now. So Peter is saying, listen, don't just pray. Be alert. Have a plan. Like, pray like whatever you want to see happens takes prayer first. Like, that's what he's saying in your family, in your marriage, and in, and in your life, that, that prayer should be the first thing that that we do. So let me just ask you here. I want to ask you, and I want to encourage some of you praying. Like, I would hope that every Christian says, I pray. But here's what I want to ask you not are you praying, but do you have a plan in how you pray? Do you have a rhythm in your prayer life? What's your prayer week? look like? Do you have a, a discipline, a plan in how you pray for your family, how you pray for the lost, how you pray with your spouse, how you pray for the church? Do you have a time set aside where you know you're doing that in the rhythm of your week and in the rhythm of your life? And, and here's the help. I'm just going to save you the trouble. And this is from my own experiences in my 20 plus years of being a Christian. Okay. Just saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to pray for them and them and, and this and this. And I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to pray uh, after blank and blank every day. It's not going to work. They will not work without a plan, okay? It will not work. It's the same as saying, I'm going to eat better. 
I won't eat better. I won't get better. Listen, six months from now, if that's all your plan is, your scale is not going to be any different, everybody. Like, you know, you know, you need a plan better than I'm just going to eat better. It's the same with praying. You can't just say, well, I'm going to pray hard. You got to have a plan. So, so here's what I want to just help you in. I'm not going to be able to give you a whole plan, but maybe it just looks like just sitting down, getting on your tablet, getting on your phone, getting on a list of paper, getting on your refrigerator next to I'm going to die, have a prayer list, right? Like where you have a list of saying, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make Monday the day I'm going to pray for these five people that I have a burden to pray for, for my neighbor here. And so on Tuesday, I'm gonna pray for these five people. And then on Wednesday, I'll pray for the church and I'll pray for Chad because he has to work with Andy, right? Like, and then on Thursday, I'm gonna do that. For, that we have like a focus and just fill out your week, okay? And there's no magic in getting better. There's no magic in getting better at praying. I actually uh, love this quote. It stuck with me for a long time. Uh, and it was from a theologian. I, honestly, I don't even remember the person's name, but I do remember the quote about getting better at praying. He says, here's how we get better at praying. We get better at praying by praying. We can do this, gang, we can do this. But he's saying, don't just pray out all over and sporadically. Get a plan. If you want to live with the end in mind, don't just pray. Get a focused plan on praying so we can do this. And here's the next thing that he says. So that's step one. Here's the second way that we live with the end in mind. He says, and most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So here's the second thing that we look at if we want to live with the end of mind is that we love people deeply. So have a focused, planned prayer life and I'm going to love people deeply. I'm going to love people deeply. Gang, listen. Your relationship with God, it determines how you love people. So basically, if you look and just say, how am I loving people? That's gonna show you, that's gonna be a litmus test for your relation, personal relationship with God. How your relationship with God goes, it, it actually helps you in how you love people, okay? If it's strong, if your relationship with God's strong, then here's what it's gonna cause you to do. It's gonna cause you with other people to overlook sin so that you can love them, to actually look past that, to love through that, to be able to forgive and have mercy. Some of us are struggling with that right now to have forgiveness and love and mercy. We can't overlook the sins that are, that are right there, but man, the, as we love God and we know how he loves us, it will cause us to love other people and have mercy for others. I love how Peter says, this is the most important one. Like, I love that, because why isn't prayer the most important? I don't know, like, but he's saying most importantly. Here's why I think he's actually saying this one's most important, because there's nothing else that's gonna come with us except for people. There's nothing else that's gonna come other than people. That's the only thing that lasts forever here uh, than, than anything else. Here, here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians about loving people. He says, hey, may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people. So for who? All people. Uh, what about people who don't believe in God? Yeah, all people. What about people who really uh, stink? Yeah, for, for all people. That you, what about people who, who you just don't really like? Yeah, all people that you let that grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May I, we, I need to remind you of this. I don't, I don't know about you. I need to remind us. I'm not nailing this all the time. I hope you need to remind us of too that, that we need to love deeper. We need to love better. Relationships matter. People matter. Jesus said two things that matter in this world when you live. Love God, love people. That's how they're gonna know that you are with me. And so we focus on relationships. We look past the junk to love them well. We look past that junk because of how God loves us. And if you, I'm telling you, if you get your relationships right, I'm telling you, that is the biggest part of your relationship. You will have a lot of things with your relationship with Christ licked. I'm telling you, the how you love people, you found a big key to living for Christ. This is especially important for us because 
Man, I just think our world, our world is becoming less loving. I, and here's the thing, I've thought about this. I actually think, like, if you look around our culture, uh, I think the world is actually, our culture is trying to convince us that, that, that we're getting better at loving people. And I don't, I'm not going to try to convince you of what I actually see clearly. But what I see actually clearly, we are not making progress in those areas. I think we're getting worse in those areas, right? I just see it really clearly. Like, we are not, I don't, I don't see a society that is getting better at being more loving. It's getting worse. I, I just see it. Our world isn't getting more patient, less hateful, less partisan, or more. But it's, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's the opposite. It's becoming less patient, less loving, more dividing than ever. Okay? But, but for us, man, if we're going to do what God wants us to do, if we're going to live with the end in mind, that's what we do. We love well. That means we love people in a way where we don't demonize, we don't dehumanize, we don't stigmatize, we don't do those things. And so tell me where else you're seeing that happen in the world. Again, I think our world's trying to prove that it's not. It's happening more than ever, but that's our call by God that we love like he wants us to love. And then he goes on to the last one. Again, we could do that. It's not, it's not easy, but we could do that. And then he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So here's a third thing uh, that we live with the end in mind. With. So again, we have focused prayer life. And we're gonna just not love people. We're gonna love people deeply, look past so much of the junk that people can't look past. And then I'm gonna also use my purpose to make a difference in this world. Right now, this is so encouraging for me to tell you this, and this is just uplifting for me to know that if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, God has given you a gift. And some of you, a lot of us, he's given you many gifts to actually be utilizing those gifts in you to make a huge difference in this world. That, that's, that as you sit, as you watch, as you, whenever you're listening to this, there is something in you that God did uniquely and, and just, just for you uh, in your personality and, and in, your, in your qualities and in your care, all these things. Like he did something in you so that you could actually be a huge part of what what he is doing. He put that in there for a really important reason, okay? That you find your purpose, that God gave you, find those qualities, and God will make a difference in this world as a result of this. And so you gotta find that and best serve him and make a difference in the world. Look at what James actually says about this. This is kind of strong, but this is how important it is. He says, listen, remember, it, it's sin. It's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And again, I know that's like, that's, that's strong, but this is how big of a deal it is to be a part of what God's doing. Not to be sitting and, and consuming, but to be contributing in what he wants to do in this world. So I just want to ask you, I just want to ask you, knowing what you're good at. Like knowing what's like, yeah, I think I got that thing in me. I, you know, something that, that could probably help others or, or help people understand. Or are you, here's what I, are you using that to make a difference for God? Not just make a difference for your life or for your family or for where you work, but are you using that to make a real difference for God when it comes to other people knowing who he is, knowing his love? Because he wants to do that. He wants to do that in you. That's a huge part of his plan for you. That's why we don't just go immediately to heaven when we get saved, okay? So are you using that? How are you serving God? How are you being able to see that being used for other people. So, so here's what we do. Again, I think, I love this part of First Peter because he, he gives us some big things to think about, but then he ends with like, here's some clear things you do. So, so we pray with a focused prayer life, right? We give what we can. We serve with what all we got and, and we love people as much as possible. And then Peter ends with this, just so that we're reminded by this. He goes, so then to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. It's all about Jesus. That everything we do, it's just all points back to Jesus, okay? The whole point of your life down here is to make as big a deal and point to as much as possible 
Jesus, the Savior of the world, and to make as much noise as you can about him, then all we do, that we just direct people to the glory of Jesus, that, that in pain, that through suffering, that even in prosperity, that all of that is our tools for us to point to just one thing, which is Jesus, through the agenda of giving Jesus the glory and making Jesus the hope that we have. Here's the question I wanna kinda end with today. Are we living in the last days? I know you're living in yours. I know you're living in yours. And here's what the exiles know. The exiles know how I live now is determined by what I believe about forever. And so Peter's saying, and what I want to encourage you in my life and to you, let's get living with the end in mind. And let's make the first things first with our life with Jesus here, not waste the time that we have. Let's pray together for that. God, um, man, thank you. Again, I just, I love the adventure that you're calling to me and the faith that I have. I pray that, that the men and women here who are listening, they see that call, that they don't just see this faith being something. I don't know, I feel the, over the last several weeks, just this, this tug of just this adventurous life with you, that you call us to an exciting life. And I thank you for people who want to know your will, who want to know what living for you really looks like. And so I pray right now that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit kind of takes, uh, takes your word and just implants it into us that just almost seals it in us with the call that we have and puts it in our hearts so that we know and believe like we actually are living for Jesus, that we're living to make much of him and that, that we believe and we wanna live that he is coming back, that we know that's the truth and so we're gonna get living with the end of mind. So give us an intensity, give us intensity to share love for other people, that your love for them is amazing. Give us that intensity to, to love people like that. Give us a desire to worship you with everything we have, to, to leverage everything we have for your kingdom and help us live faithfully devoted to you and be ready to be ready for your soon return. As we're praying, I feel the need. I just wanna pray right now, as some of you right now, uh, you may be thinking about some of this. Some of this stuff's really big. And so right now, as you're praying, I just wanna give you an opportunity to think about where you stand with Jesus right now, that, that as you think about this, you're very aware right now of your need for God and uh, that there's a tension that you, that's in you that's saying, man, if he does come back, if this is true, I don't really know where I do stand with Jesus. And so I'm not ready. I don't know Jesus as a savior in my life. And so, uh, you know, you're not living for him. So right now, I wanna give you an opportunity. You have an opportunity right now to call on the name of Jesus, to let his death and resurrection uh, save your life and, and get you right with God and be right, right with him. That's why Jesus came. Like he came uh, and he lived as God in the flesh and he came and he had no sin. He had no sin. He's the only one that had no sin and, and he was put to death for your sin. He was put to death for that to make you right. There's nothing you can do to get right with God and so Jesus did it for you on the cross and he died and he came back to life so that anyone, listen, anyone, even you, who calls on his name and who believes and wants to be made right with God can actually take that step right now that you can have your sin forgiven, you can be made right with God, you can start living for him, and you can know the truth that, that you just don't know the truth, that you know that it's in you, that that's what he did for you. And so here's what you could do if you're ready to do that. If you just know that you weren't standing right with God before a few minutes ago and you wanna stand right with him, that just pray this with me. You could pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I recognize and I know and believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, the Lamb of God who came to give his life for me so that I could live with you. Jesus, be the Savior of my life. 
be my Lord, take my life, forgive me of my sin, because your death is my death, and you want to exchange that to be made right with God, and I give you my life. It belongs to you. Thank you for new life. It is not mine. It is yours. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. For some of you right now this morning, I do want to feel the need just to give you a moment right now, just as we're praying, just to maybe think about some of the sin in your life that you know what we were talking about. God's kind of speaking to you right now. That there's something you need to let go of, and, and you, maybe you just came to light that you're like, that's why you're doing it. It's like, man, I, I'm afraid of, of embracing suffering. I'm actually trying to avoid suffering. And so that's why the sin is invading my life, and, and you can let that go right now. As a believer in Christ, you have the truth in you. The only way you're gonna leave this sin it's not by trying harder. I hope you know that. As we're praying, I want Jesus and his truth to invade you and understand that it's the resurrection that gives you the power to leave sin. Isn't that great? It's not you. It's the power of the resurrection that is in you. And if you can just give yourself over to that, it will transform your life and you can leave the sin that is getting in the way. This is constantly a cycle of just brokenness and all these things that we left. And so I just want to give you a moment just to, just to think about that. And to make a commitment right now to God to leave. And I'm just going to give you a second just to think through that and just say, I'm going to leave this. Maybe for some of you out there, you're drinking too much. It's like, I'm going to leave that. That's not helping. It's not giving me relief. Maybe it's pornography. I'm going to leave that. The power of the resurrection can help me. It's not me trying harder. I, I'm leaving that. It's, it's just causing more suffering in my life. It's causing me to look at things differently. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's just control. Man, I feel a lot of people right now really just want to leave it. And it, it's not with your power. It's through the resurrection of Jesus. You got to give it to him right now. Just leave it with the power of the resurrection in you. Finally, I just want to pray for those of us who want to live with the end in mind. Maybe, maybe there's some things that we can think about there as we're praying like, man, I'm making a big deal about some of the things that don't make a big deal when it comes to facing God. And it's going to be sooner than I think. So maybe we can just... Give that over to God as well. God, help us live with the end in mind. Help us to live the reality of heaven right now and make first things first and make a big deal about you and our life. And so help us just to live a life that looks like we're living and help our prayers to be focused. Help us love people deeply that we look past a lot of things that other people can't look at, but it's because of you. And God, help us to find those things and make a difference for you. We love you. We need you. It's an awesome call that we have today. So many great things to think about. And we pray for this in Jesus' name, amen.